Welcome everyone to Kingdom Rock Radio. We pray that you will enjoy today's message. Now here's a sample of what you'll be hearing today. The light of Christ will shine so brightly and so brilliantly upon you that they'll have to take notice and say, what's different about you? What's different about you? Why is there still food in your house? Why is there still joy in your heart? Why, you, why is your relationship still together after all this time? How was that possible in this climate? Then you point your finger to him and say, it was Jesus that kept me. Jesus saved me. It's him that provides for me. He is my shepherd and I shall not want. He is my healer. He is my redeemer. He is my savior. They must see a difference. Kingdom Rock Radio is an outreach ministry of Kingdom Rock Family Worship Center located right here in Bremen, Georgia. You can connect with us at our website at www.kingdomrock.org. And now, here is today's message. So excited to have you all here today and to be a part of what God's doing here locally and all around the world. And we welcome our online community that are joining us from all around the world. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for being a part of today's service. The Lord has a rich and relevant word for you today. Thank you for being a part. Well, as you know, everybody, we've been in a series for the last few weeks entitled Fake Church. You don't want to be a part of a fake church. There is a fake hypocritical church that is actually on the rise right now. You know, one thing that is so sad is that the devil can tell a lie so well that you think it's the truth. But it's unfortunate that many of us in the church that have the truth tell the truth so poorly that it sounds like a lie. One thing that we're missing in today's world is conviction. Conviction. Standing behind the word of God, believing that it is true and standing firm on it. Conviction, the fire of the Holy Spirit burning brightly in your hearts. Let's go back into the word of God today. Second uh, Timothy, the third chapter. We're going to go ahead and read it. Verses one through five. Second Timothy, the third chapter, verses one through five. It reads like this. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be very difficult times. You understand that you're here right now, right? Very difficult times. For people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents, and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be uh, they will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. Somebody said, I knew something wrong with folk. You're absolutely right. Folk are going crazy. You're in the last days. Verse 5 says, they will, they will act religious, but they will reject the power that could, that could make them godly. Stay away from people like that. That's going to be that fake church. You don't want to be a part of a hypocritical church. One that says one thing, but does another. That's fake. Now, if you haven't already guessed it, like I said, we're in the last days now, and destruction is going through the land. 
there is a type of judgment that is right now happening, not only in our, 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 in our United States, but all around the world. There's judgment that is happening, and bad things are happening everywhere. It's in the air. And it's a part of, of our commission that we have to examine our own self. That destruction does not fall upon us. We got to make sure that we are in alignment with the word of God and doing what he has called us to do. Because again, I tell you, you don't have to look very far to see it. It's in the air. Destruction, judgment is in the air. You say, why is this happening? Why is God allowing all this to happen? Well, let me tell you this. This may be a hard pill to swallow for some of us to swallow. But unless the Lord allowed this to happen, he would be unjust. Understand something. What happened in the schools where the school shootings took place, that was tragic and it was awful. It was demonic. Say, why did God allow that to happen? Understand something. Those lives in that school were innocent lives. They never did anything. Innocent lives. Why did God allow that to happen? Because what a nation sows, a nation reaps. Police showed up for the killing of these children. But don't you know there are countless millions of babies that are aborted. Millions of blood that is shed. Innocent blood that is shed. Not one police car shows up. All of that blood that is crying out in the streets, crying out in the streets, legal. In many cases, it is promoted. Balance, there's a balance that must be weighed. We set things in motion. Man sets things in motion. We set things in motion. We started the sin that is crying out from the earth. Our crooked lifestyles, our, the, the government authorities that allow so much things to happen, passing laws that, that are against God. We set things in motion. This is why the Lord says we as a nation, as a church, we've got to repent. The judgment is now in the earth. It's happening. More well, the monkey virus and all these other things are going on now. There's so much trash that is going on. Please don't say, well, God is sending this now. He hates us and all that. No, we set things in motion. It's like a big domino board. You set the little pieces up and we tap it and we do it. And it goes on and goes on and sets on a path of destruction. While the church is here to preserve we have to pray for our communities, pray for our school systems. We have to be the salt and light. If we refuse to do that, if we hide in our little boxes and, 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 and I, you know, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to go to church. I don't have time to study. You hold the answer. You are the preservative of the nation. And if we refuse to speak or say, then that judgment will fall and continue to fall. And there's nothing to preserve them. So you're the answer. You understand that, right? God's depending on you. Heaven is depending on you, church. You have to pray. You have to be salt and light.
This thing of judgment and all this is happening now, this is not the end of it. I know this prophetically. It's not the end of it. You're going to hear more about uh, food rationing and, and high food prices and, and high gas prices. You're going to find more of an economic collapse because there's a judgment upon this system of things. And one of the things that, the, that judgment is against is the spirit of mammon. Jesus said you cannot serve God and mammon. And people have placed all their trust in worldly things, in government, and in money, and everything else. Well, the Lord causes that to collapse so that you will see who the real is, who's really holding things up. The Bible is actually one big book, and it's the same God in the Old Testament as it is also in the New Testament. And you'll find that throughout the Old Testament, when the, when, children, when the children of Israel turned their backs against the Lord, destruction came. But that wasn't because God was mad at them or, or angry with them. He understand that, we understand that problems came their way to help them to see where they were going. Because we can come off of the path of righteousness and begin to go down this dark, weary road to destruction and if everything is fine, we'll go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper down the wrong road. So the Lord allows the road to be turbulent and he and he shakes them things up so that we can take notice so that we can wake up out of our slumber, wake up out of our sleep and realize that we've been going the wrong way. I'm not sure how many of you have ever uh, fallen asleep and while you're asleep you were restless and you're sleeping and you almost fell out of the bed you got on the edge of the bed and just as you were about to fall off the edge of the bed you woke up and you realize I'm about to fall off of this bed and you caught yourself you can okay you don't have to put your hand up I can speak from experience there's something in us that wakes us up. God wakes us up. Hey, 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 this is something is wrong here. And we can be lulled to sleep and think that everything is fine. When everything is not fine, we're going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And if it were not for the problem, we wouldn't cry out to God. We wouldn't see the, the, the error. So the Lord allows a problem to come to shake us, to shake us. To realize that we need to turn our hearts back toward him. There's judgment going through the land today, but you are called here to be preserved in it. To be preserved in it. Let's go to 1 Peter, 1 Peter the 4th chapter, 1 Peter 4 chapter. Let me show you this. It says, for the time has come for judgment and it must begin with God's household. And if judgment begins with us, what terrible fate awaits those who have never obeyed God's good news? And also, if the righteous are barely saved, what will happen to godless sinners? You are the preservative. When you hear about something bad happening on the news, don't just shake your head and say, mm, that's terrible. Drop to your knees and pray. The Lord is calling us to pray, saints, pray. And when possible, get involved and help others. The church, the real church, is a praying church, interceding church. 
What happened in the Old Testament when the people of God turned their hearts back toward the Lord and they cried out to him? Deliverance came. The father is always faithful. Deliverance comes. But the ungodly don't know how to pray. Remember, they don't need your finger pointing at them and tell them how bad they are. They need your hand. Show them the way. So let me tell you this again. Things are not going to get better anytime soon. In some cases, they'll get worse. But as the world cries out famine, as they cry out uh, poverty, as they cry out destruction, there will be light in Goshen. There will be light among God's people. There will be plenty and more than enough. Because the Lord has to show, has allowed the world to go through a period of darkness so that they can see the light. The light of Christ will shine so brightly and so brilliantly upon you that they'll have to take notice and say, what's different about you? What's different about you? Why is there still food in your house? Why is there still joy in your heart? Why, you, why is your relationship still together after all this time? How was that possible in this climate? Then you point your finger to him and say, it was Jesus that kept me. Jesus saved me. It's him that provides for me. He is my shepherd and I shall not want. He is my healer. He is my redeemer. He is my savior. They must see a difference. The Bible declares in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 60, arise, shine, for your light has come, for the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Prior to that, it says that darkness is going to cover the earth and gross darkness to people. It's happening right now. The Bible also says that those who sit in darkness will see a great light. The light will come through you and die. But if we're too busy to pray, too busy to get into the word of God, what will happen to them? Can somebody please tell me what will happen to them? We are responsible. Don't let the blood be upon your hands. Are you hearing? Let's look at 1 Corinthians. Now, this is, very, this is a very familiar scripture. But I want you to glean the principle of it as it talks about the communion. Communion is reaffirming your covenant agreement with Christ. Again, communion, the receiving of communion, the receiving of the, the blood and, and the body, the, the bread and the wine, that's reaffirming your commitment with him. That's reaffirming your loyalty to him, reaffirming your agreement that God has with you and you have with him. When you partake of communion, you becoming one with him. He is your father, you are his child. He is your, he is your God. And he reaffirms his commitment to you to always provide for you and protect you and keep you and heal you and deliver you. He reaffirms that when you take communion, when you receive a communion, you're becoming one with him. But even in the communion, God says, examine yourself. And once you see this, let's go again to 1 Corinthians 11, verse 27. It says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks the, this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Now, what do you mean unworthily, Lord? Let's look at it. Uh, so, because some people say, if I have sinned, I'm eating and drinking unworthily. Let me tell you, that is the biggest 
untruth. Because if that's, if that's a quota, you mean I have to be sinless and then I can take communion if I'm sinless? Well, honey, if that's the case, none of us are worthy to receive the communion of the Lord. The Lord gave his body and blood because we have sinned. He came to give his life because we did it. Are you hearing? Eating and drinking unworthily is eating and drinking with divided loyalty. You don't, you're not quite sure whether you're all in with Jesus or not. Not quite sure. You're doing it for some other reason. Let's, let's look further on. He says of you, uh, let's start again. So anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28. This is why you should do what? Examine yourself. Say it with me. Examine yourself. Say examine myself. Examine myself before eating and before eating the bread and drinking the cup. Now, this is not, oh, let me make sure I have confessed all my sin before the Lord because you haven't. I guarantee you there's something you did that you forgot. I can't get no talk in here. This is confessing how much you need him. I need you to save me. I realize my condition. I realize that I have a sinful heart. I realize that I've sinned and fallen short of your glory. I need you to be my savior. I need you to be my Lord. You're reaffirming your commitment to him. How much you need him. This is eating of the bread of Christ worthily. Are you hearing me? Look at verse 29. It says, for if you eat uh, the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ. How you honor the body of Christ? Remember what he did for you. Remember the price that he paid for you. He says, for if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. This is your half in and half out. You're doing it for some other reason, maybe for some type of religious show, maybe because you're trying to fulfill some sort of quota. But this is just not with the bread and the wine. Understand this. This is your commitment to Christ. Why did you come to church today? Pastor, you can't say that they won't come back. Well, why did you come to church today? Was it for the fellowship? Was it for the singing? Was it to find someone to do other things that you're not using? Was it for a fashion show? Or did you come seeking the face of God? Divided loyalty. Divided people got a lot of reasons why they come to church. And not all of them are pure. Not all of them involve the name of Jesus. Some of them because somebody told me to come. That's why I come. I don't care about Jesus. I don't care about him. I just got to do this so I can keep peace. Why did you come? But I'm glad you did. I pray that your heart is open. 
to hear the gospel so that God will save your soul because I tell you that there's judgment going through the land. That angel of death is going through the land right now. And you can escape the judgment that's going through the world. You can escape the wrath of God. You can escape the plagues, the pandemics, the random shootings, the hateful people. You can escape the darkness, but you have to run to the light. You have to run to the light. That is, you have to honor God. The Lord knows you got problem with sin. We got problem with sin. He realized that and knows that. Just like you go to the doctor, doctor say, I see you're bleeding. Don't hide your bleeding arm from me. Let me see it so I can examine you, so I can bandage you, so I can give you the things you need to heal it. God says, I know you're having issues. That's why I want you to come to me. Going away from him does not help you. That's why he's savior. That's why he's Lord. But the devil is a master at telling you, you can't go because you're in sin. He's a master at telling you, you can't serve God after what you did. That's trash. That's the same broken thinking if someone says, I can't go to the emergency room because I'm bleeding too bad. That's crazy. Let God help you. And we partake of the communion because we need him. I need him to save my soul. I need him. This is why I come. Because God's got a word to give me. This is why I pray that you have come. So they can deliver your soul from the darkness. The darkness shows itself up in many different ways. It may show itself up in drugs. Slip back down into alcohol. Slip back down in that. And promiscuousness. Slips, you slip right back down in that. There are holes that we fall right back into. It's not like we haven't seen them before. These are the same old holes. The same old ones. It is God that delivers us, but we have to cry out to him. Save me. Save me, Jesus. Save me. If you do that, he will. He'll strengthen you. He'll strengthen you. You won't fall back down there so readily again. You'll finally get on with your life. Aren't you tired of going around in circles, in circles, seeing the same old things all the time, same old problems all the time, all the time? God says, let me save you from that. Let him save you from it. You don't have to live like that. Help me tell your neighbor, tell him, you don't have to live like that. You don't. Verse 30 says, that is why many of you are weak and sick and some have even died. Why is that? Because they refuse to honor the body of Christ and how they honor the body of Christ by realizing I need you to be my savior. 
It is your blood that washes me and cleanses me from all unrighteousness. I need you to save me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to make me whole. It is his body that was, that was wounded and bruised for you. You need him. But still, there are others that were coming to him with divided loyalty. I don't really care about that. And here in scripture, they were coming in context. They were coming to just to eat and drink. And if God said, hey, don't you have houses to eat and drink in? They were coming to be filled up on the bread. They were coming to get drunk on the wine. I thank the Lord we don't serve alcohol uh, here in the church. Well, that may be a bad thing for some. Seen people do that. Oh, man, think you think you got some sort of bar? <laughs> Taking shot glasses. That's what the folk were doing. That's what many people do today. It may not be with the bread and the wine, but you're partaking in other things. And God said, don't you understand that because you've done this? That's why some of you are weak and sick and you die prematurely. That's why you've done this. Well, it's not that the, the communion is killing you. It's that the commun- you receive the body and blood of the Lord so you won't be weak, weak, so you won't be sick, so you won't die prematurely. This is the cure. But if you're just taking it oh, with divine loyalty, then you never receive the cure. You ate the bread you, or the cracker and you drank the juice. And you say nothing's happening because you ate and drank with divine loyalty. It was not salvation to you. It was just something else to eat. You did not discern the body and blood of the Lord. God says you got to examine yourself. Look at verse 31. It says, but if we would, what? Examine ourselves. Say, examine myself. No, not your neighbor. That's the problem right there, isn't it? Isn't it, Care Bear? We're always looking at everybody else. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. He said, but if we would examine ourselves, we would not be what? Judged by God in this way. You can escape the wrath of God, the judgment of God that is going through this land right now. But you've got to cry out for a savior. Cry out for Jesus. Cry out to him. Ask him to save you from your sins. From the habits, from the addictions, from the tempers, whatever darkness is plaguing you right now, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Ask him to save you. Oh God, save me. And I don't mind telling you, sometimes I've laid in my bed at night and I've cried out to the Lord, still crying. I've been preaching now for over 30 years and still crying out, God, save me. Because I still realize that there's something in me that is not quite like him. And I want everything that's in me that's not like me, that's not like him out of me. I don't want anything of the devil in me. And I'll still cry out sometime, I remember, with tears in my eyes. My wife is over there sleeping. Oh, she's so precious. But I turn my face toward the wall and I cry out to the Lord, save me. And I cry until deliverance comes and he takes that out of me. How can we refuse to repent? I don't care how holy you think you are. You have not arrived just yet. I don't care what your title is. 
You have not arrived just yet. We should all still be repenting before the throne of God, all asking him to save us. Your soul needs to be delivered. Needs to be delivered. You don't want anything of the devil in you, especially in this time. Especially in this time. I wonder, you crying out to God to save your soul too. You say, I'm born again. Yes, I understand that. So am I. My spirit man is new. Yes. So am I. So is mine. But my soul still got some issues. And unless you realize that, unless you realize your, how jacked up you really are on the inside, you'll never cry out to God. You need him. You need him. Verse 31 says again, but if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined. Why? So that we will not be condemned along with the world. That's happening right now, folks. And it's not going to get any better anytime soon. I'm telling you now, it's going to get worse. But you don't have to go through the same mess the world is going through. God can save you. He can deliver you from all that. I'm reminded now of the children of Israel in, in the land of Egypt. And one person said, how could... How could an all-loving God kill so many firstborn in the last plague of Egypt? How could God do that? If he was all loving and kind like you say he is, how would he allow all the firstborn to die? How would he send? Why would he send an angel of death through the land to kill the firstborn? Because many of those were babies. Many of those were firstborn grown people, but they were still firstborn. How could God do that? Because the Egyptians set things in motion. Around the time that Moses was born, prior to that, Pharaoh killed all those babies. Sent soldiers into the Hebrew houses, and he grabbed those little babies and he threw them. Some commentators say and historians say that there were carts of babies as soldiers went into houses and broke down doors and they snatched babies out of their, their mother's uh, hands or, or cribs, snatched them out and loaded them into carts. And there were carts full of babies and, and young children that, uh, that they carried down to the Nile River and they emptied them like they were bunches of trash, like it was a garbage truck. They emptied those crying babies, crying for their mothers, crying for their fathers. They emptied them into the Nile river and they all perished that innocent blood was not forgotten Pharaoh set things in motion and if God did not allow that to happen then he would be an unjust judge because innocent blood cries out for vengeance human blood cries out for vengeance 
How could God do that? Because he is just. But understand something. Even in that time, God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, to tell the Egyptians, you want to be spared from this? Take a lamb. Eat his flesh in your house because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he told them. It wasn't a secret among the children of Israel. It wasn't some secret thing. It was known. If your household wants to be spared, take a lamb and shed his, and get his blood and put his blood upon the doorposts of your house. It wasn't a secret thing. God said, I want everybody to be spared. But those who refuse to hear the word of God, those who refuse to comply, he told them destruction is coming. Whether you believe in it or not, it's coming. And those who will be spared from it, simply hear my word. And that body and blood symbolized the body and blood of Jesus even in that time. By receiving what Jesus would do, we would be spared from the condemnation that is happening. They were spared then and we are spared now. Our salvation is in Christ alone. So it's not time to run from God. It's time to run to God. So it doesn't matter. God knows again that you have hangups. He knows we may drink a little bit too much. He knows that we do a little bit too many drugs or what have you. He knows all about this. You haven't heard anything from him. But still he says, come. Come, son. Come, daughter. Come. He knows about the pornographic websites. He knows all about that. And still he says, come. Because it is God's desire that none should perish. But we must come under the blood. We must come under the blood. It's time. Because things, I'm telling you, are not going to get any better anytime soon. They're going to get worse. Up until the year 2023, I believe I received that from the Lord. And then things will begin to taper off and get a little bit better by then. But in the meantime, what are we going to do? Our houses will have to be covered by the blood of Jesus. You're going to have to cry out to him to save you. You're going to have to cry out to him to save you. And let me say this in closing. Know this for sure, that unconfessed sin is dangerous. It is dangerous. Because it is a hole in your defenses. I like sci-fi. If they're going on a space battle, they better have them shields up. If the Klingons are coming, Darth Vader's coming, whoever's coming, I'm going to yell, Mr. Scotty, get my shields up. That's the first thing that happen if I'm the captain of the ship. We're going to make sure we got shields before we leave this spaceport. We're going to have shields and we're going to have us some ray guns, Bernice. Because we know the folk are out there. So I'm going to have my shields. But your, our unconfessed sin brings your shield down. And it makes you vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. And so there he is firing all his torpedoes at you and his ray guns at you. And you're feeling every bit of it. You're feeling, you're feeling in every bit of it. 
You're feeling it. And stuff is blowing off and and, and the crew, ah, and that all this stuff's happening. Unconfessed sin is like that. Look at Proverbs, Proverbs 28. Look at Proverbs 28. And we're almost done today. Proverbs 28, verse number 13 and 14 says this. People who conceal their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. 14. Blessed are those who fear to do wrong. But the stubborn are headed for serious trouble. Got to get it out of you. When you confess your sin before God, it goes out. It cleans the house. When you confess it, it cleanses the house. Confession is important because it it unburdens your soul. It unburdens your soul because it is a weight so weighty on your soul. And there are two places that you're going to confess it. One, let's go to 1 John, 1 John 1. 1 John 1, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. It says, 1 John 1, verse number 8. It says, if we claim we have no sin. Is anybody claiming that today? Please stand up. If you did, you'd be lying. So that tells us already that you got sin. The sin of lying. All right, but for the record... Nobody stood up. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves. If somebody else stood up, we say, you're not fooling me. We're only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. Verse 9. But if we do what? Confess our sins to who? To him, to God. Confession unburdens the soul. It cleanses the house. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and do what? To cleanse us from all wickedness. Notice two things. When you confess to God, you get two things. One, you get forgiven. Secondly, you get cleansed. Don't just seek forgiveness. Seek the cleansing. Forgiven of the sin And then you get cleansed from the wickedness. The wickedness is what caused the sin in the first place. Get forgiven of the sin and then get cleansed from what caused it. Bless you. Bless all y'all in Jesus name. Courtesy of Shekinah. We're almost finished. When you confess to God, get forgiveness And get what? And get cleansed. You must receive both. Not just forgiveness, but you must receive cleansing. When you confess to him, you get forgiven and you get cleansed. Now look at at James 5.16. James 5.16 says what? Confess your sins to who? Each other. Each other. And pray for each other. So that you may be what? So that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. 
So you're confessing them to God. And when you do that, you receive two things, forgiveness and cleansing. And when you talk to somebody else, I didn't say stand before the church and tell everybody what you've been doing. That's going to make me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> Don't do that. There's somebody that you can talk to. And you'll feel better when you do. I messed up. Can I talk to you for a minute? I messed up. I shouldn't have done this. And you know that person is not going to go spread it everywhere. Here's a hint. Never confess your sins to someone that gossips. If you know that they've talked to you about somebody else, that's a clear indicator, Jack. That as soon as they leave you, they're going to do the exact same thing. But if you know somebody and maybe you try to say something to them, they say, no, no, I won't hear that. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Okay, that's a good one. That's a good one. But there's got to be somebody that you can talk to, that you can unburden your soul. Once you unburden your soul through your confession, you'll feel better. The house will be clean. You clean your house this house, you clean it through confession. You'll also, you'll also feel it through confession. You're going to have to have both cleansing the house and then filling the house also through your confession. Last scripture for today. In Matthew 12 chapter, Matthew 12, Matthew 12. Again, so when you confess it before God and confess it to somebody else, it like, it's like it, you're taking the trash out of your house. You don't want to live with a bunch of trash in your house. Unconfessed sins, it's like trash in your house. It's got to be somebody that you can talk to. You say, I love my pastor, but I'm not sure if I can tell him about this and that. Well, find somebody. Are you hearing? Your pastor may not be the one. I don't know what you got to say. You got what I'm saying. You can find someone, another brother and sister in the Lord. After something so deep, then you may want to bring it up the chain. Praise the Lord. You got me? But you can find, that's why they call them friends. How many of us have them? The one we can depend on. How many of us have them? Before we go any further, come on back. You got what I'm saying to you? You need a friend. Somebody, we're going to get there, somebody that you can vent to. Not necessarily they're going to give you some advice, but somebody you can just vent to. I felt like slapping so-and-so so hard. I, wanted, I, I saw myself slapping him so hard I saw teeth fly out the window, but I know it's bad. I just need to tell somebody about that. Unburden your heart. Find a friend. Help me tell your neighbor, tell them you need a friend. A friend. Are you hearing? Now, this is why you have to, after confession, you confess your sin before the Lord. You did it. 
And then you're going to have to fill the house with your confession of who you are in Christ. We're getting there. We're getting there. Because you don't want just an empty house. Oh, I feel so much better than I told somebody. I feel so much better. Whew. Okay, that's great. Go the next step further and fill your house. This is why you don't just want to stop at, oh, I feel better. Matthew 12, verse 43 says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it goes into the desert, seeking rest, but finding none. Then it says, I will return to the person I came from. So it returns and finds its former home, what? Empty and swept and in order. <sighs> I feel so much better. I told you that. Thank you. Thank you for letting me get that off your chest. I mean, my chest. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate you listening to me. I feel better. Don't stop there. Let's go further. The spirit, it says it, he finds the house empty, swept, and in order. Verse 45, then the spirit finds seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they all enter the person and live there. And so that person is worse off than before. That will be the experience of this evil generation. Never have you seen so many pop psychiatrists. Never have you seen so many TV shows dedicated to getting people well and so many this and that. They want to help unburden your soul, which is good. But you better fill your soul quickly with the word of God. Or the last state of you will be worse than the very first. You fill your soul with the exact way that you emptied it through confession, confessing who you are in Christ. For my third closing, you must confess who you are in Christ. Once you've cleansed the house, you've asked, you've asked the Father to forgive you, house is cleansed. He's faithful and just to forgive and cleanse. And you've talked to somebody. You talked to a friend about it. You unburden your soul. Then it's time for you to confess who you are. Bless you. A lot of blessings go around today. Then it's time for you to fill the house through confession of who you are in Christ. Let me give you three, just three scriptures. Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So you should say, I am a new creature in Christ. That sin is what I did. That's not who I am. That's not who I am. Let's look at Romans 8, 1. Look at Romans 8 and 1. And we'll probably stop here. Romans 8 and 1 says, There is therefore now what? No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Here it is. Why is that important? Condemnation means simply get out. Get away from me. God said there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, meaning that the Lord said he will never cast you out. You'll always be accepted. You'll always received. Why is that important to know? Because when you sin, the devil wants to tell you that God doesn't like you. He doesn't want you around, that he's rejected you. But if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. That's off the table. The father always wants you with him. Especially when you do something wrong. So he can show you his manifested love towards you. He loves you. 
So what are we saying today? Examine yourself. Cry out to God to save you. Cry out to him to save you. Because he will if you ask him. Don't have unconfessed sin in your life. Don't hide it. You're not going to prosper. And in this time, you don't need any of that in you. Ask him to help you. Give you wisdom concerning it. You don't want anything of the devil in you. Not in this time. If it's difficult, that's why you cry out to him. Help me to get back on track. Help me do what I need to do. And I'm telling you, of a surety, with conviction, he will save you. He will save you. The work of salvation is not over until you die. We're going to continue to be saved every single day. Cry out to him. He will save you. So my friends that are watching right now from all around the world and those my friends that are here in this room right now, if you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, now is that time to do that. We never want to end a broadcast without giving you the opportunity to make Jesus Christ your Lord. To do it is very simple. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. God says we have to repent of our sins, believe in what Jesus did for us, and confess him as our Lord and as our Savior. Count on him, depend on him, have faith in him. Now I'm going to say a simple, a simple prayer with everyone here. And if you're believing in Jesus today, you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior, then just pray this simple prayer with us. This prayer is not the thing that's going to save you. It's your faith in Christ that will save you. But we can help you get started. So just say with us today, just say, Father, I come to you a sinner in need of a Savior. I admit I have sinned. I've done wrong. So I come to you and I ask you to save me. I receive Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. I believe in your death, your burial, and resurrection and that you're alive forevermore so I say come into my heart Lord Jesus forgive me of my sin make me yours and I'll serve you all the days of my life as you show me how now fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the evidence of a changed life in Jesus name Amen. So, my friends, I believe if you believe in Jesus, that God has saved you. Continue from this point. Join a good Bible-believing church. Pray and seek the face of God. Get in your Bible, and he'll help you through these dark times. And you'll see his power unfold in your life. We'll see you on the next time. Bye-bye now. Well, we pray that you were blessed and encouraged by today's message. Don't forget, you can connect with us at our website at kingdomrock.org. It's there that you can hear today's message as well as the entire series. So check it out today. Until next time, remember that Jesus loves you and so do we. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way. We'll see you on the next time.